Biology and Harmatology, and we are looking tonight, starting with a result of the fall of the sin nature. And uh, our sin nature came because of that fall. And we know Genesis chapter 5, we're going to start there and read three verses, and then I'll explain a little bit about this. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Now notice it talks about Adam. In Genesis, we have a man named Adam that starts the human race. When you come to the Gospel of Matthew, you have Christ, who is the second Adam that not only is part of the human race, but also saves the human race. But this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, when it's talking about the genealogies here in Adam, and if you'll look down through this entire fifth chapter, what you're going to see is eight times in the fifth chapter it says they begot so-and-so, they lived, and then they died. And each time you'll see eight times they died, they died, they died, because all in Adam die. And it's not a spiritual death, but it's a physical death that we experience because of his sin, but that physical Choice can lead to a spiritual choice. Then we go to the New Testament and we see Paul's writing in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And uh, Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, the first Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. Why? He said, and he makes this, this interesting phrase, because all sin. And uh, we'll come back and touch on that in just a moment. But let's look at the First Corinthians passage before we do. In First Corinthians fifteen twenty two, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So there is the contrast. You have in, in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. And this contrast is very interesting when we think about it. And what Paul is really saying there in Romans and in 1 Corinthians is this. And he, he gives us this uh, in, incredible contrast. And he said, when Adam, the first Adam was made, Adam was made from the earth, from below. The second Adam came from heaven, which is above. The first Adam uh, brought sin into the world. The second Adam brought redemption and life to us. So we see this, this comparison and this contrast. And, and we see how God used the first Adam and the second Adam. And, of course, the first Adam was born into a perfect garden and sin. The second Adam was taken by, led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. And guess what? He did not fail, but he succeeded. And then last week we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane. In that Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced great suffering, great pain. And the devil was, was just... Uh, bringing every weapon that he could at Christ to get him to not go to the cross and fall down and worship him. But Jesus, in that imperfect garden, with that temptation all around him, succeeded where the first Adam failed. Now, we see in this, uh, in, in theologians, theologians are really good at, at finding small areas and then just magnifying them. And, and sometimes, you know, you can get kind of lost about 
uh, studying some of the theologians. But there's two theories on how we inherited the sin nature. And I'm not going to fall on either side. That's a debate for theologians who have put a lot more study in this than me. But there's a seminal headship theory. And the seminal headship theory, it basically says through the seed of Adam, we too have been infected. And because he fell, we too experience sin. That's why we would say we're born into sin. We are born into sin and then we sin by choice. And then there is the, the federal headship theory. And this is, it says that Adam is the representative of all humanity. Therefore, because we, he, Adam represents us, then we too have sinned because Adam is sin. Both of them have a lot of merit to me. And, I, and whichever side you fall on, that's okay. Uh, because good, solid men and uh, women theologians fall on both sides. But all I can tell you is this. All humans are born with a sin nature. And in Psalm 51, we have these words spoken by uh, King David after he had confessed his affair with Bathsheba. And he says these words, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, he's not saying that the relationship between his mother and father was a sinful relationship. What it's saying is that because of, of humanity's sin and that sin nature that gets passed along, that he was conceived and he was therefore a sinner. Not by choice, but by birth at that point. Now, as we live our lives, we often become sinners by what? Choice. And Josh asked the question to the kids, if any of you lied, and a few raised their hands, but a lot of them didn't. And it uh, kind of reminds me of a story when I was at a former church. We had an elderly man. He was, I mean, he was a fine, fine, fine gentleman. And I happened to be walking by the class, and, and uh, it was teaching on sin, and he raised his hand, and he was probably early 90s, and he said, you know, I don't think I sin anymore. And I said, you just did. <laughs> but, but, you know, we're biased in our own favor, and, and, and we look at ourselves, and, and we think, well, you know, I'm sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So that finishes up anthropology. Now let's look at harmatology, and that's the doctrine of sin. And the nature of sin is the first thing that we're going to look at. And as we look at the nature of sin, there are a lot of descriptions about sin. It's defined in many different ways. First, sin is called lawlessness. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, it said, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Now, what is lawlessness? Well, that's a state of disorder. That's what's going on in the United States of America today. We are in a state of disorder. All you have to do is turn the news on. It doesn't matter what channel. And all you see is disorder. You see conflict. You see lawlessness. And often, because the laws are not followed or prosecuted, those who break the law, you have more lawlessness. And, and, and we see that ongoing constantly in our country, and it's very, very uh, concerning. So sin is lawlessness, and when we sin, that means we're breaking the law of God. It's a state of disorder, and, and God doesn't want anything in disorder. He wants everything done orderly and in a right manner. But sin also is missing the mark of God's perfection, and we find that in the passage that we all know, and it's Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. So again, it goes back to the concept that each of us have failed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God because God expects perfection. And that's what the Old Testament law was. We couldn't keep the Old Testament law. Therefore, Jesus came and in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And by fulfilling the law and the prophets, he didn't do away with them, but he improved upon them. And then he said basically this. Listen, uh, there's two major commandments because the teacher, the lawyer said, what are the two great commandments? What's the great commandment? He said, there are two. Love God, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself in John 13, 34, and 35. So he breaks it down and says, listen, here's the fulfillment of the law. It is in Christ. And if you go back and look at Exodus chapter 20, you see that those commandments, the first four commandments are Godward. The second, the second six commandments are manward. So he breaks it down. He said, love God and love, love, love your neighbor. And that, that basically settles the, the, the whole concept. And you don't have to keep 613. Here's the things that you do. But also, uh, sin is also transgression against God's law. And uh, when we transgress something, that means we go afoul. In Romans chapter 4, verse 15, it said, Because the law brings about wrath. What's wrath? That's serious anger, isn't it? For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, but when there's a law... And we know we've stepped over the boundary. We know that we have broken the law. Therefore, we have sinned and we are a transgressor of the law. And that's what, what, what uh, the Bible is telling us. Because we've all sinned. We're all transgressors. We've all fallen short. And therefore, we're all guilty by birth, by choice. And we transgress the law. Look again in chapter 5, verse 14. It said, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So what it's saying is, as you look at what Paul's saying here, he said, now listen, there wasn't any law prior to Moses because Moses received the law where? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, he comes down with the Ten Commandments, breaks them, goes back up. God has to write another Ten Commandments. But nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, even though the law wasn't written down by code, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And it's saying, listen, you're a transgressor of the law. You've broken the law. Even though there wasn't a law, guess how we know that? By conscience. By our conscience. You go to the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we know God. We know God. We know Jesus Christ through, number one, his written word. We know him through creation, and we know him through our conscience. And we know, we know when we have sinned. We know when we've transgressed the law. We know as long as our heart's not hardened, because once we harden our heart, guess what God said there in Romans chapter 1 as well? He said, finally, He will give us a hardened heart if that's what we desire. You ever seen anybody like that, that nothing seemed to bother them? I mean, like a sociopath? And, and, and they're just, nothing bothers them. They can, they can kill somebody, murder somebody, and sit down and eat a sandwich beside the dead corpse. And it just doesn't, God seared their conscience. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people like that. But sin also is unrighteousness. And uh, as we look at that in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth 
in righteousness. Let me ask you the question, what is truth? We're going to find out in, in, in John chapter 18, what is truth? Jesus, Jesus. Remember Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? And Jesus is truth. John 8, 32, you can read that. And but it's suppressed. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all that God is. And when that wrath comes down, and we have that final judgment, and God's wrath is poured out on the earth, when you go to read the book of Revelation, you read about the bowls and the vials, and you read about all that's going to transpire, it, 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 it's unnerving. And all of the devastation, the, tor- the, the tornadoes, the, the uh, earthquakes, the plagues, the famines, all that will transpire, it ought to make you shake in your boots. That's what God says is coming because the wrath will be poured out on mankind. And uh, as we think about that, uh, sin is wickedness as well. Sin is wickedness. And when I say sin is wickedness, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we have the perfect example of that. And God had created mankind, made them in a perfect, put them in a perfect garden, Adam and Eve. They sinned. And then their boys got into a fuss. And who killed the other? Cain killed righteous Abel. And then Seth had to be born to start a new lineage because. Cain had gone east of Eden in the land of Nod. But now it says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, let me pause right there and ask you this question. Have you tried to watch any TV programs lately? You can't. You can't. Because what you see is... Every intent of the thoughts of the heart was evil continually. How many of you have turned something off? Yeah. Sandy and I, a few years ago, we, this movie, that this actress that we both liked because she was funny, and we went, we went to, the, to the movie theater, and we paid, I can't remember how much it was. I, we don't go to the movie. I mean, I hadn't been to the movie, I, kids' movie, when we have the grandkids, but that's been a long time since we've taken them, but... I just don't go. Number one, it costs too much. Number two, the popcorn's too high. But we went, and uh, it was just foul. I mean, it started out with foul language. It wasn't rated R. And I said, let's go. And we walked out. And I said, I I just don't think I'll go back. I I can watch what I want to watch on my TV, and I can turn it off when I want to turn it off. It doesn't cost me much. But it's unbelievable that the thoughts and intent of the heart was evil, only evil continuously. And we think how evil our world is presently. And God destroyed the ancient world because of the evil thoughts and the heart, the thoughts of the heart. And, and, and we live in a world that's gone mad. And the last 15, 20 years, things that I never thought I would see in my lifetime, I'm seeing. And it is quite disturbing. It is very disturbing. So we do need that right revival. But we need that revival worldwide. But we need to be praying that we too would be in revival. Sin is also iniquity. And when we think about sin as iniquity, uh, Isaiah 53, 
Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. What does a sheep do? Huh? Wanders. Every which way. Can it defend itself? The only thing a sheep can do when its throat's being ripped out by a lion is bleat. They fall on their back. They can't get up. All we like sheep have gone astray. That that's, makes us feel like we're not really that great. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Wow. I've got to save that for Sunday because I already wrote it down in the sermon. Yes, Larry. Between what? Iniquity. Well, iniquity is sin. But when when you think of iniquity, you think of uh, immorality. You think of uh, grossly unfair. I guess that would probably be a better definition. That iniquity is just, it's just grossly unfair. It'd be like the, unbal- you know, the scales that God talks about that aren't right. That's grossly unfair. That would probably be an illustration of that. But, yeah, but, and, 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 yeah, and sin, sin's this, like, this umbrella that all of these fall under. Let's look at First uh, Timothy, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, one nine. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. Listen, if we were all righteous and none of us were sinners, we wouldn't need the law. But for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers. I mean, it just continues to descend and get worse and worse and worse. Let's look at uh, 1 Peter 2. Did we have 1 Peter 2? Maybe not. Oh, there you are. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of yourself. That's a wonderful verse, right? You were like sheep going astray, but now. You know, Christ says through the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.17, he said, become a new creature in Christ. Aren't you glad that you're not the same person you used to be? Because we were going astray, but... And I've said this, and and I don't mean it in any ugly way, but one day I'm going to preach on a bunch of buts. Because you think about it. Think about John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world... But shall not perish. I mean, that's the hinges of man's hope. You were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we have an opportunity to be in that relationship with Christ. But guess what? He's voted for us. Satan's voted against us. And now it's our vote that's cast as the deciding vote. Will I follow the Lord? Will I be in His presence? Now, next... Man is capable of sinning with his mind. You know, we often think of actions. And we, and we have big sins, little sins, and, you know, 
white lies and lies that we call black lies or darker lies. But in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you don't need to commit the physical act of adultery. But, there it is, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The thoughts. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 there's sins of omission, there's sins of commission. And we're all guilty of both. All. Things we should have done that we didn't do. And things that we did that we shouldn't have done. And every single person is guilty of those things. And we can't just say, well, no, I'm, that's, that's not me. I, I don't think I've ever done that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, but you have. So, sin, here's, here's the summary. Sin is anything that we say, think, or do that is contrary to God. You got it? That's the summary definition. Anything we say, think, or do that's contrary to God. Uh, we better stop because the kiddos will be getting out. And it's a good stopping place because we're going to look at the condition of lost mankind next. Any thoughts? You know, that's why it's so important to read the Bible. Because what happens is we get biased in our own favor. And we think, well, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But what is, what, what is the Bible? It, it's a mirror. And guess what? When I get up in the mornings... And after I make the bed, or saying that I make the bed, I go into the bathroom to brush my teeth, and I look into the mirror. Wow. Hairs every which way. Wrinkles on my face. From my CPAP, there's these lines. And I, I look at myself and I'm like, surely you don't look that bad. Surely you don't look that bad. But guess what? I do. That mirror reveals. But before I went to that mirror, I have an image in my mind that I look much better than I do. And the same is true with a spiritual nature. We buy, we're bastard on favor, so we think we're better than we are until we look into God's holy word, the mirror, and then it reveals how we really are and who we really are. And then we're like, wow. And here's what we do. We either stop going there because we don't really want to know what we look like, or we continue to go there so we don't look that way. So stay in the word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you stand with me? Dismiss us, brother.